Hi, welcome to Failing Forward. Today we're doing an English language version of a previously published Arabic podcast. So we're reading from an English language transcription and there's a link to the full Arabic podcast in the description as well. Huge thanks to the original podcasters for sharing their experiences. Hello everyone, my name is Maj Sawan. I work with Isan for Relief and Development Organization as the Protection Program Coordinator for Northwest Syria region. I have my colleague Ola with me. Please go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, listeners. My name is Ola Bata. I work with Shafak Organization as the Cash and Emergency Responses Manager. Currently, our organizations are working in cooperation with international organizations that exist both in Gaziantep and in other countries surrounding Syria to respond to the needs of families residing in northern Syria. Today, we will talk about challenges and problems we face while working through integrated cash and protection sectors responses to provide services to women and girls that are under risk. In order to achieve our work targets, also to reach the persons who are most in need, there should be dangerous challenges and troubles that we need to solve while doing that. We will start with Maj, who will explain to us the first challenge. So please go ahead, Maj. Thank you, Ola. During this meeting, I will be representing the humanitarian workers specialized in case management for cases of gender-based violence. You will see during this meeting that focus areas are totally different between humanitarian workers working in providing cash vouchers to the most vulnerable people represented by Ola. I will start to list some of the challenges we face working in this field, and Ola and me will describe the two main challenges we face most often in the field. The first challenge is about the importance of time for the survivors of GBV. Honestly, we saw some cases of survivors that are at high risk and required a quick response at high levels through our work. This means that the response should happen very soon during the first 24 or 72 hours, depending on the risk the survivors, woman or girl, are subject to, like being subject to severe physical assault or sexual abuse, since this requires an immediate response that is life-saving, similar to securing the immediate safety and security of survival, survivors. The expected time for such a response is between 24 and 48 hours. And sometimes beneficiaries are in need of time-sensitive health services like clinical management of rape, or sometimes the transportation related to accessing services. And they require a quick response, but it might reach up to 72 hours. I'll mention quickly some examples of cases we faced during our work in the field that required a quick cash response. One of those examples is about a woman who ran away from her husband who wanted to kill her. In this case, she needed shelter as she can be subject to many risks like abuse or rape or any other possible protection risk if she doesn't receive the right services quickly in less than 24 hours. In another example, a woman was subject to violent physical assault by her husband, which led to the need for quick medical attention. Or in some cases, she needs transportation to receive treatment. We call those interventions life-saving, and they really are life-saving if we can intervene quickly. However, honestly, this is not always the case. This is a challenge we are describing here, as the time needed in the cash sector to get cash to a woman is much more than what I've described above. My colleague Ola will share some information as well. Ola, please go ahead. For sure, Mash. I thank you very much. We as workers in the humanitarian sector, and specifically as specialized persons in cash responses for needy cases, including, of course, women and girls under risk, we need to clarify here that they are not the only cases we respond to as cash teams. Unfortunately, the challenge described by Maj concerning the limited time to respond 
we are not able to overcome this challenge up until now. Time, even for us as cash teams, is a challenge in, an, in itself. Because when we talk about cash responses, we need to clarify that the response starts with a coordinated process beginning with collecting approvals in the field from the local councils or administrations existing in Northern Syria, so we are able to do the intervention processes. Of course, approvals are not the only obstacles that are causing losing time that in some cases may reach up to five working days until we get those approvals. We also have the procedures that are related to distributing cash, like the obstacles directly related to the process of registering male and female beneficiaries. Of course, when we talk about registering beneficiaries in cash response, we need to register them after we see them. We can't register on anyone that doesn't exist or register using the phone or register someone using online. The process of registering is followed by verification process followed by a full process of cross-checking of beneficiaries' data, then followed by a coordination process with the Hawala money transfer vendors who are spread in central areas, mainly near border regions. And in order to do that, we are able to coordinate with them till the time of responses. Then we are talking about at least 10 to 12 working days. This in and of itself, consists a direct challenge for the cases described by Maj. Currently, we work to solve this issue. And for this reason, last year we were present in the Task Force for Cash and Protection. And also for this reason, we are here today in this podcast. However, I expect that the, that the time is a main challenge, but not the only challenge as mentioned by Maj at the beginning. There was a second challenge. Can you remind us about it, Maj? 100% Lola. Honestly, the second challenge we are facing, since we are talking about two main challenges we have, and of course, they are not the only challenges we have, as you mentioned, Ola. The second challenge is about the difficulty related to geographic distribution, both for cash projects or protection projects, since it is very difficult to find one project in the same geographical area, a cash and protection project at the same time. In many instances, we need to refer cases to the cash project, but there is no cash project in the same geographical area. Sometimes there is a project, but on a far distance, like six or seven kilometers. And maybe there is no transportation in the project, so we are able to serve beneficiaries or connect them with the cash project. Sometimes there is a cash project in the same area, but the survivors are not included in the response priority for that cash project. So even if the project exists, survivors might not be served. Of course, the reason for that is because survivors are not included in priority lists for the donors. So no matter what we are speaking about, the areas to be targeted or about the persons to be targeted. What do you think, Ola? For sure, much. I agree with you 100% about this challenge. However, from a humanitarian worker's perspective doing cash responses, I can talk about the following situation. When we talk about Northern Syria, we are talking about 3 million needy persons in, in a very devastated situation. Of course, this is according to the latest report issued by the HNO. Also the report of 2022 might have higher numbers because of the coronavirus pandemic. So when we talk about those numbers, we unfortunately talk about mainstreaming the criteria to select beneficiaries depending on how poor they are not depending on individual cases. The priority is given to families that have no income, have a larger number of members in the family, 
Internally displaced families because of the security situation are because of natural reasons like floods and fire. This is why we find that, as you said, cases of survivors or cases of women and girls under risk are not in the list of priorities. And the main reason for that is the deteriorated situation in general of the persons living in Northern Syria. Of course, this is not a justification for us for why we are not able to reach out to them, all of them. We find one of the challenges is that what capacity we have to reach all the cases that we receive reporting about. When we talk about survivors, we see that they are spread all over the regions where you can access. Also, when we talk about cash responses, we talk about all the regions where we can reach. However, to be able to overcome these challenges, I am sure that we are not the only ones who have suffered of them in humanitarian crises. Syria is not the first humanitarian crisis. And of course, there were others before us who have worked on such types of challenges. Today, we need to explain a bit more on how we can solve them according to the Syrian situation and context that we have. Maj, we are trying to find recommendations for how to solve the time issue, also the list of priorities. I would like to hear from you on what are your main recommendations so I can add on to them to finalize this podcast. Okay, from my own point of view, for both the first and second challenges, there should be a map of services that are designed for field staff or even the humanitarian cluster. So we know what projects exist in each specific region for both cash and GBV protection projects so that we can refer cases in a good manner. That's the first point. When we do services mapping and locations of different projects are known, no matter if it is cash or protection, then the second step comes. And that can fasten the period of implementation or if we are talking about coordination or if we are talking about referrals. There should be training for humanitarian workers, both for workers working in the protection sector or for humanitarian workers in the cash sector. All of them should be trained on referrals so they know what are the steps and how much does it take to respond. Thus, the entire team is prepared and trained how to receive referrals and how much time such referrals can take. That way, we can mitigate the risk of the survivor being subject to more violence when she is referred. The third thing, in my opinion, that we could do during the projects, and I think it could be a recommendation, or let's say somehow we began to implement, to have in the protection projects a small component of cash for very critical cases that are labeled as high risk to be able to serve people in case there is no near cash project or I can't serve those cases, or if there is a cash project but it doesn't include survivors in the priority list for that project. My recommendation is to have a certain percentage within cash programs for referrals for this group and for people that are most exposed to violence or risk. This includes women and girls survivors, so there's a certain percentage within all cash projects where we can guarantee a quick response and quick reach to such groups of people. What do you think, Ola? Thank you, Maj. I believe the points you mentioned can solve part of the problem. Also, we have a role in this solution as persons or workers relating, working in cash responses. Today may be the first recommendation is coming from us in relation to the time to have advocacy or push from the donor side so there is a decrease in the routine procedures that are leading to lengthening the response process. Today, we talked about the registration, door-to-door registration. We talked about the verification and cross-checking of data, the distribution and preparation, 
as all of those steps consume time. If we have something similar to RRM responses that are done during the 72 hours and were done in other humanitarian settings previously, there was advocacy done so they were implemented and currently is being implemented in Syria. I see that this will solve a big part of the problem. So the first advice to donors and the clusters is to do a bigger push in order to lessen the time required for cash responses provided to survivors. Of course, this can be done by decreasing the procedures that are imposed on workers in the cash sectors and which generally have zero tolerance from donor side. Are we can achieve these procedures, are we considered to be out of the required quality? The second advice I honestly see necessary is that today, in order for us to put priorities and say that survivors are women and girls who are under risk are included in the priorities that we are responding to, and we need action. Honestly, this action begins from the clusters, the OCHA itself. When we define the high priority regions, similar to what we do in HF projects, then it is always preferred to consider the risk of women and girls and what they are subject to when deciding if a region is a priority region or a high risk region. When we do the cash response, we should really target these regions. Of course, in addition to the second advice, during reviewing proposals that have a cash element, there should be a mention of the subject of women and girls under risk are survivors. Also, the fixed percentage you talked about, Maj, are the fixed quota that we always need to have in our consideration so we can reach out to women and girls under risk with our interventions and other types of needy persons. However, what I believe that we need to hear more of, and probably this would be the subject of the next podcast we will do, is the issue of perspectives of the coordinators themselves towards the challenges and also the solutions they put. This might be the subject of our next podcast that will be with Reem and Faye. Thank you very much. Maj, would you like to add something? Thank you very much to our listeners and may God bless you. Thank you too, Ola. May God bless you. Thank you very much.